It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It was ugly, unpredictable, and absolutely perfect. The Heat shot badly, didn't get a strong performance from Jimmy Butler, and watched as Jalen Brunson dominated Game 6, but they did just enough to send the Knicks home. Miami was minutes away from being eliminated in the play-in tournament and then clawed and fought their way to the Eastern Conference Finals, making history in the process. We break it all down today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Mike Bloomberg, here with David Mill, recording this right after the Miami Heat's Game 6 win over the New York Knicks. They win this game 96-92 to to close the Knicks out, end the series at home. They're going to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. So much to get to, not just from this game, David, but from this series. Uh, I want to even talk about the season and just how uh, unprecedented this is. The stat that's been going around is that this is the second number eight seed of all time to make it all the way to a conference finals. And I have an issue with that stat because it's not completely accurate because the first team that did it, the 1999 Knicks, were an eighth seed, sure. But in a lockout season where there was very little, few games separating the eighth seed from even the number one seed, and so to me, this this accomplishment, for whatever it's worth, to me, stands alone. I think it's a different kind of thing versus that that Knicks team. And this is not supposed to be some sort of anti-Knicks thing. It just so happened that that was a Knicks team. That was the eighth seed. Right. This is different. This is through a, the, the first eighth seed ever to go through a full-scale regular season, not a lockout season, uh, play in a play-in tournament. So play two extra games just to get into the playoffs, right? Uh they beat the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, and they play a very hard series uh, against the New York Knicks. And now we're going to await uh, Sunday's Game 7 between the Sixers and the Celtics to see who it is that the Heat are going to play in these Eastern Conference Finals. These Miami Heat, Conference Finals, third time in four seasons, a chance to play for the championship round. What do you think? I think it's incredible. Uh, to your point about the Knicks in that season in 1999-2000, they only wound up playing 50 games. And so they were the eighth seed 
as a result, who knows if they had played the full 32 games after that, if that had been a regular season, a, a regular regular season, I should say. Sure. Maybe things would have evened out. They were obviously a very talented team. They started off that season with injury, and they were a little sluggish to start off. Uh, that was with Charles Sprewell, Larry Johnson, et cetera. Nobody really needs to go down that particular uh, road in history here. But as far as Miami, it's a great point. They played 82 games. Struggled through the adversity of a long 82 game season, wound up playing those two play in tournament games, and now are on the precipice of going into the Eastern. I mean, sorry, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're on the precipice of going to the NBA Finals, perhaps. That's a step down the road. But the history that this team has made to be able to face the adversity that they have. We talked in the last, I think, last win they had in game four about being primed for these moments, the physicality of this series based on the fact that they'd gone through all these ups and downs over the course of the regular season. They were ready for this. They accepted the challenges and they faced a great Knicks team, a very physical Knicks team. I know it's fun for Heat fans, and I'm not going to police anybody how they fan, to criticize players like Randall and Brunson and anybody else, Josh Hart, whomever. But this is still a very good Knicks team. Hats off to them for a very tough physical series, and yet Miami somehow responded better. They were losing this game by 15 points, and at that same point, I was thinking to myself, you know, Miami was still playing a better brand of basketball despite the deficit. New York was just getting some key shots to fall in. They were getting some good officiating in their favor. I don't want to make that a talking point, as so many have over the course of the day. But Miami was able to take it on and and continue – to find a way to persevere through the win. They and, found the way that they've been finding basically all series in these yes. wins. They have been shooting well from three-point range yeah, the entire hideous. series. The fact that they shot 26% from three-point range tonight, 7-27 overall, should be the least surprising thing that's happened this entire series. They have not been able to make a shot yeah. uh, from three-point range, but they got back to the formula that, that was leading them to wins. Despite the lack of three-point shooting, they were narrowing the rebound margin. They actually had one more rebound. Uh, I'm sorry. They, it was uh, The Knicks only had one more rebound than the right. Heat did tonight. That's right where you want it to be if you're the Heat. You're not going to win against the Knicks, the rebounding battle, very much. Uh, you want to keep turnovers low. They did. They the Knicks did. had 12. The Heat had just seven. They played a clean game of basketball. Um, they created extra possessions with the offensive rebounds. They had seven of them with the limiting the turnovers and then creating turnovers. So Miami took 82 shots in this game compared to the Knicks taking 71 shots. There's your formula. That's it. That's how the Heat have won every game in this series. Not from three-point range, not from necessarily scoring a whole bunch of points. I love that this final game was 96 to 92, not quite 1997, 1998 Knicks Heat, but kind of close to it. Kind of felt like it for a lot of a lot of stretches of the series. Yeah, it was it's really hard to parse anything. Look, again, we're filming this minutes here. Uh, just the chaos of everything, because even in the last couple of minutes of the game, after Miami had a six-point lead and it looked like it was comfortable, then all of a sudden they cut it to less than that with that uh, Jalen Brunson uh, flagrant foul call yeah. on, on Gabe on Vincent. Gabe. Yeah, it was a four-point possession. Four-point possession. Changed the complexity right away, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, does Miami have enough? They did. Um, but, yeah, the, to, to your point about the Knicks series of the past, this was very, very similar to that. Very physical. Both teams matched intensity. Yeah. Uh, one last, can I do one last point on the historic part of this? Absolutely. We were man. mentioning, we were talking about how those two eight seeds are different. The the difference between the eighth seed and the number one seed in 1999, when the Knicks, when the Knicks beat the, um, uh, I think that was the rest of uh, Jimmy Butler's ankle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, the difference in wins between the eighth seed and the one seed, the year the Knicks were the eighth seed and and, and got it to the conference finals was six games. 
The difference this year was 14 wins. Yeah. That was the difference in record. So I think that's just to put everything into perspective and yeah. just how dramatic of a turnaround this has been for these Miami Heat. Um, I Look, there's, there's some, one statistic that stands out to me. 25 assists for the Miami Heat compared to just 13 for the New York Knicks. A lot of ISO ball, specifically with Jalen Brunson, who was incredible. Yeah. You can't say enough so about good. his performance. Unbelievable. Go tune into Locked on Knicks, however. Very, very good game from him. And yet Miami got a group effort, doing a fantastic job. Kyle Lowry stepping up. Jimmy Butler doing just enough. Bam at a bio. The unsung hero. I don't know that anybody's really going to point to his statistical output and say, well, what a monster game. But the job he did on Julius Randle defensively, coming up with big blocks, yes. deflections late in the game, uh, one one in particular against Randle, if I'm not mistaken, yep. to get that shot uh, deflected, force a turnover, lead to a fast break opportunity for Miami. And and, and that's it. Because it's like you, you have to do whatever's necessary in order to generate points. In a game like this, a five-point swing could be absolutely the end of the, the, the game there, in the series, you know? There wasn't like a shot that was like the biggest play of this game. There was no Jimmy Butler moment. No. There was no big three by Max Strews or Duncan Robinson at the end that served as the dagger in this game. The fact that the Heat won this game by four points, they kind of just like barely did that, right. you know? And it, it never really felt like this game was over until it was over, until Gabe Vincent was dribbling out the final seconds of the clock. Yeah. Um, the biggest plays in that fourth quarter, so just quick recap here, the Heat, uh, trailed the Knicks 31 to 24 in the first quarter. They went into a 14 point hole in that first quarter. Second quarter, they come back. They outscore the Knicks 27 to 19 in that second quarter. They lead yep. at halftime by one point, 51 to 50. Third quarter, back and forth, ton of foul calls in the mud. Ugly third quarter. The fourth quarter was like, hold my beer. I'm going to be even uglier than you, third <laughs> quarter. And it was even worse. The biggest plays of the game in that fourth quarter was a Kyle Lowry layup through traffic where he fell to the floor. That was amazing. Uh, on the next possession, steals uh, gets a steal from R.J. Barrett, who was awful for the Knicks. He actually got benched at the end of this game, and it was shortly after getting stolen from. He was also in foul trouble, so maybe um, lack of rhythm there, but he, he did struggle whenever he was on the and floor. And then Bam Adebayo, huge defensive rebound in traffic with one arm. Those are the biggest plays of the fourth quarter, David. Only one of those is a score, and it's just sort of barely – it's just sort of Kyle Lowry flipping up a layup that he had no – business kind of making yeah. he went like over isaiah hartenstein i think it was like it was it was a great layup credit and it was a great kyle lowry game i know we'll talk about him when we get the credit cookies but the fact that those are the biggest plays in this game and very few of those plays were just actually scoring points i think says a lot about how this game and how this series was played overall um i i want to get to your point about the assist 25 assists on 33 made field goals just seven turnovers for the heat I, I said this on Lockdown NBA after the Nuggets closed out their series against the Suns on Thursday night. I was so impressed with the Nuggets because they just came in. They weren't super aggressive. They weren't trying to get Jokic involved or have a big 40-point night from Jamal Murray to just kind of lay the hammer on Phoenix. No, they just came in. They played their game. They played it clean. They executed their game plan, and they just did it way better than Phoenix did it. And it reminds me of what happened here with Miami yep. tonight. They just came in. They uh, everybody was wondering, are we going to get a big playoff Jimmy performance? We're going to get a big uh, Bam out of bio performance. Are they going to rain it from three point range and, and close the series? And the answer to all that was no. They just came in and executed the game plan um, and did the little things. They got the 50 50 balls. They just played harder when it really, they made the plays when it mattered most. And a lot of those plays I already outlined. Uh, one last point on this Jimmy Butler, 22 field goal attempts. Bam out of bio, 20 field goal attempts. They were not efficient. Jimmy Butler went 7 of 22. Bam went 9 of 20. But both of them scored 24 points and 23 points. Like you said, not monster performances. But I thought it was monster-ish in the fact that they just got up 22 
field goal attempts for Jimmy and 20 for Bam, given how much the Knicks were keyed in on those two guys. Obviously, they're sending the doubles to Jimmy, but really packing the paint against Bam as well. The fact that they muscled up 42 combined shots, I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I, I, Bam's in particular, he was more slightly more effective than Jimmy, and it felt like he was fighting more. It's hard to quantify exactly. Jimmy was a lot of pull-up jumpers. You could tell he wasn't at 100%. And yeah. Again, something we'll talk about a little bit later on, and we'll talk about as they continue to get a couple days rest in between now and the Eastern Conference That's Finals. It is a big factor. Yeah. Right? Like, the, Jimmy will be able to recover and hopefully – They'll be able to get a shade of him, what we saw against the Milwaukee Bucks before the injury And just 41 minutes for him tonight, and I say just, just in quotes, exactly. All, the entire second half. But the played, yeah, but was able to get six or seven minutes of, of rest in that second quarter when the Heat kind of, they had Bam out of bio. They got rid of that full bench unit in the beginning of the second quarter. They had Bam in there while Jimmy wasn't in there. And that, that group is the group that actually took the lead from the Knicks and ended up kind of pushing that lead. Um, so that was huge to buy him that buy him those minutes yeah these these days of rest are going to be huge this was as close and we said this this was as close to a game seven as it would get without actually being a game seven let's move on to credit cookies really quick we were talking about jimmy and bam uh we got 10 credit cookies to hand out jimmy bam i think should get three each three apiece maybe even four for bam his game was really really impactful and i asked him about his his defense on julius randall kind of deflected it a little bit but just his, I think the effectiveness of, of which he was guarding Randall, who went just Bad three Randall of fourteen. Game. Oh, he was awful. You know, and he, and and Bam said he just kind of forced him into tough shots. Made as many field goals as he had turnovers. Julius Randall did. He, a lot of it was Bam. Yeah, he looked uncomfortable, and I, I haven't even checked social media. I'm sure Knicks fans are kind of roasting that Randall. Matter, yeah. I think he he was trying, and in the first half in particular, it seemed like he was a little bit more engaged. Played some good defense. Pulled good down a couple quarter, of rebounds. Yeah. Am I wrong? Did he have all 15 points in the first quarter? It, it did seem that way. Let me let me take a quick look here while I'm yeah. enjoying this. Because I, I think... Because R.J. Barrett finished with 11. I think eight of those were in the first quarter. Yeah. Oh, no. Brunson had 15. Brunson had 15. Barrett had eight. Uh, Randall had, had five. five. Okay. That's what I thought. It was Brunson. Had he got and some John free Brunson throws awesome. in the third quarter, yeah. I think is what it was, basically. Yeah. But he was... Yeah. Zero points in the second. He doesn't play much in the second period. Brunson didn't get the help. At the end of the day, like he needed a full sustained effort from Julius Randle and he didn't get it. RJ Barrett was awful in that second half. Just terrible. Yeah. And, and um, in the third quarter, Randle hit a three and he had five okay. free throw attempts as well. So that's why he got to his eight points to, to bring up to his total. So the Bam, Bam gets a lot of credit for his defense on him. So I'm OK Amazing. if you want to do. Um, let's talk uh, Kyle Lowry next. Eleven yes. points off the bench, nine assists, uh, four rebounds, two of which were offensive rebounds. Three Huge. steals in the game, a blocked shot, and he did all this while turning the ball over just one time in his 31 minutes. This Kyle Lowry is such a game changer for the Miami Heat. He is as much a reason after you get past Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolster and Bam Adebayo, and maybe pretty close to Bam at this point, as much a reason why the Heat are going to the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four seasons as anybody else on this roster beyond those people I already said. He has been awesome, and the 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 entire plan, the maintenance program for the last two months of the season yeah. has absolutely worked. There is no question about it. He looks awesome. This is like vintage Toronto Raptors Kyle Lowry almost on a nightly basis in this series, and he's just making those plays now, those layups. Like We just weren't seeing that in January and, and February in the regular season. He's making those layups. He's getting those turnaround jumpers. Uh, those mid-range kind of fadeaway jumpers that he likes to hit. He's pulling up confidently into three-pointers. 
Um, and he's making these plays defensively where there was a portion in that regular season where I thought he was a weak at, weakness on defense. Like right. teams were targeting him, and that's not the case anymore. His quick hands are back. Yeah. He's moving laterally, getting in front of guys, staying between his guy and the basket better than he, ever. He cannot, he's awesome. He cannot pick up guards, especially quick guards or physical guards the way Brunson was, and, and that's something to consider if they advance, oh, when they advance, excuse me, depending on which team advances. Yes. His matchup against Smart, I think, will be evened out. Brogdon, I think he can handle that one a little well. I'm not worried um, about any of the Celtics guards. Tyrese Maxey. That would be a problem for a lot. That, that's not, that's a Caleb. Also, Mike. Tyrese Maxey is a problem for everybody yeah. when he's going. But yeah. No doubt. That's a, that's a Gabe picking him up 94 yeah. feet, similar to what we saw with Brunson, with Caleb coming in occasionally. Yeah. But tonight, Gabe struggled a little bit. He was uh, you know, in foul trouble early on because of some ticky-tack calls on, in Brunson's favor. It's a tough matchup. Lowry came in, made his imprint on the game, uh, and I asked him about it. You know how rewarding this is to be able to impact this game after the injury, and he he was just complimenting his teammates, complimenting the coaching staff, putting him in a position to win, making that impact. Though he spoke of it, everything like the 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 fact that he can guard two through five, like no longer guarding those quick point guards. Although he did have some matchups here and there, but the quick hands, he limited Josh Hart, just knows how to position himself. Knicks fans will want to call it dirty. It doesn't matter at this point. Right now, Lowry was just effective. He gets Kyle Lowry gets right away place. with it, man. Like, I'm not what am I, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say Kyle Lowry doesn't get away with stuff. Kyle Lowry's made a career out of getting away with stuff. He gets away with stuff. Good for him. He's gonna go to the Hall of Fame because he's getting away with a lot of stuff. It's so the IQ. He figures it out, it's man. The IQ. Like, the, that's why I, I just I don't have a I don't want to talk about the officiating or Scott Foster or anything just because the Heat. Oh boy, the, Scott Foster, huh? He, they, I, they, they got away. The Heat have guys who do stuff too. The Heat like to sell contact. The Knicks like to sell contact. There's like twenty nine other. Teams. It's two Spider Man yeah. memes pointing at each other. That's, like I don't I don't want to do league. this. That's the league. Um. Anyway. Uh. All right. So we've got those credit cookies. I want to hold one credit cookie. I want to give it to Eric Spolstra. He coached a masterful series. This was an ugly series. A series like this is very, very difficult to coach in because there's no obvious big tweaks, right? Like there's no huge lineup change that you can make the way that we're seeing in the Lakers-Warriors series. There's not any major things that you could do in terms of your schemes. It's basically Jalen Brunson doing Jalen Brunson things for the Knicks and the Heat doing Miami Heat things. And it's just, and it comes – and I asked – Bam about this uh, Friday morning after shooting around. I said, is this kind of the point where scheme, like there's no more schematic, big schematic changes. Right. He's like, it's kind of been that way the entire series. It's just been kind of like who wants it more 50, 50 right. ball, ball in the air, ball on the floor. That's what he kept saying. Um, and it felt like that. However, like the big changes, like the lineup changes, are we going to switch the pick and roll? Are we going to do all that kind of like, that's the stuff that gets traction on the internet and the stuff that gets talked about on, on national shows and stuff. But the little things that Spo did throughout the series, Hacka Mitchell Robinson here, doubling uh, uh, Jalen Brunson at, at certain times, throwing in a zone concept here and there, yeah. uh, picking up full court over the last two or three games with Gabe Vincent. And then today, just another thing that he just threw out there, on inbounds after a make shot, we're going to double Jalen Brunson on the inbound so he can't get the ball. Just like a little thing. I don't know if that bothered him. It doesn't look like it bothered it's- him based on the stat line. But just another thing that Spo was just – it was that he just emptied the kitchen sink on this series. And, and I think a lot of credit goes to that. I think it imbues a lot of confidence into his players thinking that, okay, every game we feel like we have the better game plan. And so there's a level of confidence that comes with that. Yeah. And, and I do think that the team that made the most plays on the stretch in this case, Miami heat is usually the team that kind of has that confidence. They feel like they're doing the right things where I had some questions about what it is that Tom Thibodeau did. Again, that's probably more of a conversation for locked on Knicks, but like, 
I, I think Spo outcoached Thibodeau. In I this think it's pretty clear, and I think he deserves a cookie. No, no, I, I, I agree one hundred percent. Like, I mean, just with aside from the schematic things, just being able to juggle rotations, those things do matter. Keeping the temperament of the team positive, knowing that this season, this series is going to be so physical, knowing that your best player is limited. And, and having to deal without him in, in game two, I think that response from the Heat going heavy zone that whole game to compensate for the loss of Jimmy Butler was a nice move by him. Yeah. It, it t- turned out to be a loss. doesn't matter. I, th- I think there's, there's something to the fact that Eric Spolstra doesn't get shaken in these moments, that he is uh, – It's the opposite of shaken. He he I He's so he, comfortable. He's he, been here before. He, he knows what, he, exactly what to do. He, he, he doesn't get crazy. phased by this. He, I, like, this is what he lives for, man. Like, this is his drug. Like, okay, you can see you, it. We were there when he was post-game. He asked uh, if the all NBA teams have even come out. For those listeners and viewers that aren't familiar, they came out a couple of days ago. Tuesday. Yeah. So he's completely removed from everything else. Like he, he yeah, he's talking has, about Jalen Brunson, how he should make it. And he was wondering, and he was like, did he make it? And and then he's like, no. did any of our guys make it? And everybody's like, yeah, Jimmy made second team. He's Do you like, buy oh, it? okay. No. I don't buy it either. I don't buy it either. What was in his cup, though? He came into the postgame press conference with a styrofoam cup, one of those ones that you see in every single You office. would know, I'm guessing, a whiskey. Uh, no, he is a wine guy. Um, he's not drinking wine out of a foam cup. Man. Well, he's not going to walk in with a, a, a goblet, a, a glass. Like where is that wine glass coming from? <laughs> so I thought my initial thought was that he just he, he dumped a Bud Light in there or something, right? Oh. Um, but uh, I was I I it could he's a wine guy. Could have been he might have had a bottle of wine in the office somewhere. Okay. Um, he did not disclose. He was asked by uh, was Tim Reynolds. Tim I think, Reynolds, yeah. Um, asked him. He did not disclose it, which is he how you know it was, observations. It, was, it, there. it wasn't watered down Gatorade. <laughs> Safe to say. Uh, can we get to some more listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, again, fantastic game, and thanks to everybody who stuck around and, and, and you know didn't lose faith after that tough Game 5 loss. Uh, let's see. This question comes in from EJ Bruski. Where should we hold a championship parade, Biscayne Boulevard? Well, yeah, that's pretty planned out. I, I don't think that we really need to lap, you know, map out the, uh, the yeah, parade. Yeah, we'll hold off on yet. that. It's a little early for all Have a that. good weekend, EJ. Yeah, party, <laughs> party on. How thankful are you that the Eastern Conference Finals is going to be on TNT so we don't have to deal with that train wreck ESPN calls their pregame and halftime shows? Um, I don't know because we're here for the home games. I don't know that I'm yeah. – uh, I'll say I, the TNT I'm, – I'm glad to know that – like the TNT bro- – I'm not disparaging the ESPN broadcast. The TNT broadcast is awesome. I mean, you're getting Ernie. You're getting Chuck. You're getting Shaq. I mean, that's great. So, yeah, very happy about the TNT broadcast. We, we, can't, uh, we can't get any weather reports, I think, moving forward. I, <laughs> right, that's true. Either yeah, Boston sorry. or Philadelphia is going to be able to handle the weather a little bit better than New York, I think. <laughs> uh, this one comes in from uh, Snickers. Uh, can Tyler Hero return for the well, Eastern Conference? Jerry. Jerry R. Lewis, I don't know, maybe I guess you're right. Jerry R. Lewis, can Tyler Hero return to the Eastern Conference Finals and make a difference? So the the time frame for him is currently four to six weeks. I think everybody has speculated that game four would be midway through the Eastern Conference Finals, May 22nd, if I'm not mistaken, is the date that I've seen. So perhaps the, whatever soft cast he's currently wearing would come off. Maybe if it goes to a game seven, he can get out there. The problem is that it's a shooting hand, right? Yeah. So we have seen recent posted by him Instagram photos where the, the cast is off and he still has like a wrap and maybe like a little bit of a brace on his hand. Um, I don't think that the Heat can count on an Eastern Conference return by by Tyler Hero. But man, like him, him talking about his return after breaking the hand initially in Milwaukee um and being like it's all right i'll be back for the the, for the the finals and then everybody kind of laughing at him including me i was like all right man like i I love the confidence i love the confidence i remember and it was game one 
that series feels like an eternity ago. I know these playoffs are long. All the playoffs are long. It, um, it's like great. Thanks for the finals prognosis. It's not going to matter because you probably get wiped well, out by Milwaukee. And I think, here we are. I think the important thing is, yeah, exactly that. It's that seemed like a, a foregone conclusion that Tyler Hero was going to play his last game for the Miami Heat this season. And that you could start looking forward to maybe a long offseason for him and and getting back to the to be ready for the regular season, whatever. And and he was going to be. Yeah. Um, but this now I'm not I'm not ready to say it's a factor because we're far away from it being a factor, right? But it is starting to almost become a factor. It's a yeah, it's an impossibility to now a remote possibility. So that's that's progress. All right. Uh glad we got to win, writes in Damien Heedles, but something still looks off with Jimmy, even if I'm wrong. Yeah. Glad he'll get four days off. Am I overthinking this? No, no, no. Jimmy all. Butler was in the locker room limping around. Uh, he is clearly bothered by this ankle. Uh, I think there's a big reason why his effectiveness has been limited. Shout out to Quentin Grimes who did an awesome job. Uh, he changed the series. He absolutely changed the series uh, when he came in, got healthy, and started guarding Jimmy Butler the last three games. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know why Quentin Grimes wasn't in at the end of that game. It's again like a Tibbs thing. It's like all right. That's another reason why Spo ended up out coaching Tibbs in this in this series. But um, beyond the Quentin Grimes thing, and I do want to give credit to him because he was great uh, defensively on Jimmy. But he was obviously very bothered. And and like I said, walking in, into that locker room and seeing him limping around, it's clearly bothering him. So the fact that he is going to get multiple days off now, I I, I don't think that uh, Damian is overthinking this. I think that's huge. No, I, I think it's it's clear that he is uh, hindered by it. I uh, did not seem aggressive, and and you don't want to criticize Jimmy considering the fact that he was playing through his injury in the first place, and he was still largely effective, particularly in defense, picking up the bigger Randall, whoever it was. Doing he would get switched on to Jalen Brunson and, and did a good job. Like yes, I, he he, and he picked the spots offensively. Like he had a couple of fadeaway jumpers, got to the free throw line, got shots to the that basket. He hit, yeah, yeah, he missed some shots otherwise that he would have hit too. But um, yeah, look, I, I, Jimmy Butler is the key to everything. If you're not getting something closer to what we saw against Milwaukee versus what we saw the last couple of games against the Knicks. I don't know that the Heat have much of a chance in the next round, regardless of who they play. I don't think yeah. that's a hot take at all. So buying as much. Like, well, this is maybe why that's it was an interesting so- question. Do they have to rely on playoff Jimmy as much in the next series, well, there was- considering they were able to eliminate the Knicks without playoff Jimmy? They need playoff Jimmy to beat the Celtics and the Sixers. Both those teams are way better than the Knicks. And after four days of rest, how close do you think he is to approximating playoff Jimmy? Hard to say without any no kind idea. of medical. Yeah, because he's he's played and he's played a considerable amount of time. Forty-two minutes today, forty-three minutes the last game. He's been going through it. You know, he's been trying to 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 step up despite the injury, and it's hindered him. And, and yet. I don't know. And the, and the Knicks were double teaming him a lot. They had specific guys who can defend him like Grimes and Josh Hart and things like that. So like I I think that look who the Knicks him are in not Philadelphia. Who defends him in Philadelphia? That's kind of the point. PJ it, Tucker? It, it's it's uh, maybe PJ uh Tobias Harris? I Boston has a few guys that they could throw at him. I guess it would be Jalen Brown, a little bit of Jason Tatum. Both of those guys are very good defensively. Um but I I don't know that they're going to double Jimmy Butler so aggressively and I think for the purpose of this conversation jimmy was asked after the game today like you know the about being doubled so aggressively by the knicks and he said hey, look if, if it's if i get doubled like that in the next series i'm just going to keep being a facilitator so he's comfortable doing that he feels like he's making the right basketball plays we'll see uh of course we'll see um four assists for him on tonight uh one more question yeah this last one comes in from jeff daniel uh who are you guys more worried about this eastern conference finals 
Philly or mm. Boston? Do you have a team that you're more worried about? I don't know, man. I don't like I'm not Boston is more talented. Be, yeah. Boston is the better team, I would say. And yet here they are. Why, they can't get out of their own way. Yeah, they've 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 uh, fallen apart late in games. Their late game execution, Joe Mazzola's coaching, and then the things that Spolstra has done so effectively, Mazzola has not. Uh, well, coach circles around. Yeah, I, I Joe think that's Madison a big fact. Well, I mean, he would probably coach circles around Doc Rivers as well. I mean, he is the best coach left in the playoffs. Yeah, he would coach circles around Doc, but he would coach more circles around Joe Mazzola. That's fair. Just I mean, the kind of in-game adjustments he's learning on the fly. This is the first time he's ever. Yeah, done. I mean. And they're they're uh, a really really good Jason Tatum late fourth quarter in Game Six away from being eliminated. You know, he had his big moments yeah. down the stretch there. So I don't know. It, it, it's tough to say. Again, I think Boston would probably gear themselves up more for a matchup against Miami. Uh, I think there's a little personal history there. They've faced each other in the Eastern Conference Finals twice already. The Celtics at least have that confidence at least available to be like, we just beat this team in the Conference Finals last year. And they have home court this time where they didn't have home court last time. So Philly does not have that. Um, But James Harden and Joel Embiid are way better together now than they were last season. Joel Embiid looks very healthy now. And remember, he was he had, what was it? The face thing, yeah. the face contusion, going into the second round series last year. So that's a, that's a difference maker for sure. He has a knee. I don't know. I, I really, you know. I, I I switched my opinion on Philly and Boston. I've been, I've watched that series very closely for obvious reasons. Um, I switched my opinion on both of those teams after every game, man. Like, like I don't feel good about the Celtics even after them winning that game. Yep. I don't, I don't think they I, could lose Game Seven at home. I think both of those teams are more talented than the Miami. That's been pretty clear all season, but so are the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Heat think are more mentally. You could argue the Knicks are more talented too. Than I think the Knicks were more. I think the Knicks were more talented. I don't think that's a hot take. No, it's not. The point is though, I think both Boston and Philadelphia are technically more dangerous than this Miami team, but I'm not about to count them out. And here they are. No, I'm not counting them out. The Heat are more mentally tough, and we've seen how much that matters. It does. It does. This is uh, an odd postseason with so much parity. Top seeds dropping out, other teams pulling off the offset. Like, you, you know, it's just very peculiar. Uh, in the West, it looks like Denver probably has a clear path, but even that doesn't seem as clear with the Lakers and, and Warriors currently fighting it out right now. I like the Nuggets in the West, but yeah, it wouldn't shock me if it was the Warriors or the Lakers that came out of the conference. Right. I would bet if I had to bet a dollar, I'd bet on the Nuggets. Yeah. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Who are you going to be like rooting for in game where? seven, Philly, Boston? Oh, uh, I've said it before. I, I think. Just the chance to beat Boston or to at least compete against Boston and potentially beat them. It far outweighs the ability to beat Philadelphia fans, although Philadelphia fans were also pretty toxic last season. I like the matchup between Jimmy Butler, Bamba DeBio, Joel Embiid, uh, James Harden. I think those are big. Jimmy names. Butler versus Philly thing was a lot of fun last year. It would be a lot of fun. I'm again kind of tired this of the Celtics a little bit, to be honest with you. I mean, um, between the bubble, I, between last year, it's taken its toll on me. It would be a cool rivalry to just have them meet again. Like that's a great storyline, and in, in terms of rivalries and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I just don't want to hear how much better their roster is than Miami. Well, I don't want to hear from have... John Corrales in general. I don't want to do any crossovers with him. That would be a nightmare. Um, but uh, we'll be doing a crossover with John Corrales <laughs> if they advance. You will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
No, I, I, I don't want to hear that Jimmy Butler I, is like the fourth best player in the series. He's like, like Malcolm Brogdon's had a good year. Six man of the year. I mean, you know, he's he's up there. Marcus uh, Smart, best yeah. For those who league. don't remember last year, Corrales got on our show and said that Jimmy Butler was the third best player in that series behind Tatum and Jalen Brown, and we laughed at him. Um, all right, that'll do it for us today. Thanks so much for everybody that is listening on this Friday night or Saturday or over the weekend. We'll be back uh, with another episode Monday morning. Game seven between the Sixers and the Celtics. Uh, is on Sunday, so we will know by then who it is yeah. that the Miami Heat are facing. Game the one Conference on Wednesday, Finals, so game two on Friday, and then game three here back at the Kaseya Center on Sunday. It'll be Ooh. phenomenal. Uh, the Heat accomplishing history, doing it their way. <laughs> no pun against New York there, but uh, a, a fantastic series. And uh, well, we're looking forward to seeing who, who's the next opponent for Miami on their quest for a fourth championship. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.